Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome to episode 62 of The Grid. I'm Gabe Myers, and before I say who's alongside me, those those of you who are on Twitter and follow us on Twitter, you may have seen or may have heard that our sports editor Mike Foreman, the usual guest with or usual partner with me on the podcast, was uh, you know he was in a car accident late late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. He is recovering. I've been talking to Mike several times a day, and he's doing well. He he you know he's clamoring to get back to work. We're having to tell him don't take your rest, take, you know, take the time you need, but he was in a car accident. He's doing well. He's walking around, moving around. Saw him today. He was walking his dog, but he won't, you know, he won't be on the podcast this week. He won't be at any football games next week and at least for a little bit. But before we get started, I just wanted to say that Mike, I'm sure you're listening get better soon, get your rest. And you know, when you're ready, we can't wait to have you have you back up here. But joining me today is the, my predecessor, Sam Fowler, Sam, how are you doing today? Well, I mean, I'd be much better if 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 Mike was here. Uh, Mike, you know, one of my mentors. One of the reasons I'm actually down here in Victoria. Actually, probably the reason I met my wife. He's the one who helped me uh, get a job in in the San Antonio area in Pleasanton, and then uh, and then fortunately met my wife. So, and he's he's always been there every step of the way for me, even even after I got out of journalism. And so, Mike, please, please get better soon, and please take your rest. I know you're, I know you're ready to fight Gabe and everybody to try and get back out there, but please take your rest, man. Well, I, uh, I, I have offered the Foreman household my services to barricade the door if Mike tries to leave and work too soon. For those of y'all who don't know who I am, I'm a, I'm a, some would call me a large human being, a massive human being. <laughs> Some would call me a large human being. I've offered my services to barricade the door. Mike, even if you were healthy, you couldn't get through me. I mean, cer- certainly right now you couldn't. So, yeah, get get your rest, and we, we will be thrilled to have you back when you are ready to be back. No, Mike could probably get away from you. He's really elusive sometimes. Well, I, I, But, I mean, he's not 100% right now. <laughs> he, he, he's not 100%. He, you know, he's a swimmer, so his, his cardio is probably a lot better than mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, his, yeah. His cardio is better than mine. But – off on the injury, we're gonna talk, stop talking about the injuries of Mike Foreman. We're gonna start talking about some high school football, Sam, and we're gonna start with a team that you and I are both very familiar with, because before I was the one covering Victoria West for the Advocate, you were the one covering Victoria West that, that is for true. the Advocate. That is that is and a statement of fact. A dominant, another statement of fact, dominant by district round victory over San Antonio Southside, fifty nine twenty two, over four hundred yards rushing. And Sam, you had covered this team the last several years, and this year I think it's been a little bit different for West. They've really relied on the running game more and more. Now, last year they had DeAndre Fillmore, who was an outstanding receiver. This year, the heart of their offense is Kamari Montgomery, who's been, you know, maybe arguably the best running back in the in the crossroads here. Fifty nine twenty two Montgomery two thirty nine and five touchdowns. Talk about kind of how you've seen this little evolution from West going from maybe more of a pass first team to okay, now we're going to run it down your throat. Well, last year, I mean. They were able to get Kamari going. I know he had a couple of 100-yard games, and you could see those flashes of brilliance. But when you have a weapon like DeAndre Fillmore, who's now at Eastern New Mexico, he 
you know, it's it's tough to kind of get him the touches and get him get him into that that rhythm. But you know, you could see it, and he's just this physical athlete. You know, also playing played on the defensive side too, and and he's a wrestler, so he's just he is just a physical human being. And you give him the ball, and you get him that kind of confidence. You're able to see it where he's able to go off five touchdowns for him, and and another by district win. For West going up to San Antonio, beating Southside, and you know it's it's been fun to see Montgomery step up in his progression. You know, I've as a former college athlete, I certainly talked to I certainly talked to some of my former coaches and some of my former teammates, and I I told them, you know, Kamari might be one of the best all around athletes I've seen in terms of. Every, everything that you want from a player. He may not be the highest recruited athlete there is, but no matter what, whoever's going to end up with him and, and at the next level, they're going to get a steal on a guy who's going to bring a high work rate, great work ethic as as coach head coach Courtney Boyce always instills in, in his players. And you're starting to see him get rewarded for doing all of the right things and being able to step up and be a player for this team. And it really also helps, helps open up their offense. I mean, if, if you want to have success, if you want to spread the ball around, you have to, you have to force each team to account for every aspect of your game, including the run game. And that's how you kind of establish it. And they've been able to do that with Montgomery. Yeah. Montgomery is a guy, and I'm sure on the podcast, we'll talk more about this as you know, the football season ends and we get into the kind of December and January and February closer to national signing day. But I think Montgomery is a guy where whatever college program he, he ends up at, he's going to be playing college football. He, the coach is going to be elated. I can't believe we got this guy this late in the process, this high level of a player, because he is a late bloomer. He, he wasn't even a running back freshman no. and sophomore year. He was playing on a defensive line in the defensive front, and he still plays linebacker now, but his football future is as a running back, and he's someone who so, some coach out there is going to be, I can't, you know, a running back coach is going to be saying, hey, coach, I can't believe we got this kid. His football IQ is really high. I mean, that's no what Boyce what. always tells me. Like, his, he, like, he gets it. He under, he knows every position and where everybody's supposed to be. Like, his instincts are off the charts. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter what position he plays in college. You know, he can come in. He can make an immediate impact on special teams. He can make a, an immediate impact as – as as a situational back who like if he understands his role he can go he can be that bruiser he can be that he can be that scat back and and get get you a big chunk of yards it doesn't matter and and it's, it's been fun to see Montgomery step up in that way yeah Montgo- Montgomery has been really a driving force for the west offense this year 59 points this was this was my takeaway watching the game against Southside there, there's a few things west does in a, at an elite level one of them is, I think the main thing is the pace that they play with. The time between snaps, it's really no more than like 15 to 20 seconds. I mean, they get play after play in there. I kind of talked to the players this week. Like, if you notice, we're kind of looking at the sideline. As soon as the play ends, as we're lining up, we got to play, kind of, you know, before we're lined up, we know what we're running type of thing. And I don't think Southside had seen an offense that really emphasized tempo the way West did. And they – I. They struck me as a team that wasn't quite ready for the tempo West was going to play with. Right, and that that was something I saw last year. Last thing I'm going to say about it, and it, it it really came to fruition in the playoff game against San Antonio Southwest. It even and it even showed in the Brownsville Vets area round game. 
they once they started moving with the tempo, Camden Rapper, new quarterback and everything, once they got comfortable and they were able to move, they were able to have a lot of success, led to the game-winning drive against Southwest to, uh, last year. Yeah, and it – West, they run a pretty unique offense. I actually thought Charlie Reeve, the East head coach, had the best description of it. And I said it on the podcast the week of the East-West game. It's the, it's a it's a constant numbers game of we got to get enough guys out wide to contend with the four wide receivers they line up with, but keep enough guys in the box. And he said it's like having two running backs in there because obviously Montgomery, but then Camden Reppers, our second leading rusher this year, I think he's up to like 700 yards on the season, a legitimate running threat. So it's like you have two running backs back there. We have to have enough guys in the box to contend with that, but you can't just you can't stack it because of the way they spread the field out wide. And they, not a lot of experience at receiver, but a lot of speed at receiver. So you can't just leave guys one-on-one you can't be outnumbered out there and Southside early on in the game knowing uh, Montgomery's reputation they kind of stacked the box early and Wes you know Repper just started throwing it outside and he completed like five six passes on the opening drive and then Southside realized oh shoot we gotta like cut we gotta cover all these receivers light boxes Montgomery goes off so West, I thought it was their best cleanest performance of the season which I think bodes well for them you know in the playoffs this week they're gonna play Harlingen South and we'll talk about that matchup later in the show we're gonna move on to the other victoria school victoria east who first home playoff game in school history 35 14 just handled medina valley did what they needed to do and sam talk about the turnaround with charlie reeve because there is a different vibe around the team this year there is and it's been that way ever since charlie took over at east i mean there's just something different and i remember when when the rumors were going around that that charlie was going to get the job i texted I texted AD Spencer Gant and to to confirm it and he told me he said, quote, We got our guy. And he was so confident in it and I talked to him uh I talked to him about it shortly after the hire and he and I were both both on the same page. We both understood what Charlie was gonna bring and it was it was gonna be this you know, you buy in immediately this team turns this team's going to turn around and they have the weapons we've said east has always been extremely athletic and now they've got charlie reeve who is coming in and and really instilling a a winning culture over there and and you're able to see it in year one all these players buying in doing everything right doing the little things being able being able to win the east west game the the battle for the boot should still be the battle for the sword i'm just saying but (laughs) You know, you're able to see it. That was kind of the big – that was the big turning point because, you know, the previous two years West had done really well in that game and they had dominated it, you know. So being able to get that, that was the first – that was kind of the biggest hurdle for them. I know, you know, they beat they beat Vets. Um, yeah, they beat Corpus Christi Vets. Who so are that's the, another the, big The hurdle. defending district champions. And both of those games – East was trailing going into the locker room, going into halftime, came back to win. I think especially the West game. And I talked about this with Mike the week of the the week of the East-West game. So where I came from in New Mexico, it's an East-West rivalry over there as well. The East Side School has won. I think it's they've won every game since 2008. So we can that's a now 15-year winning streak. And the first year I was there, they played in West. The team we've been losing all these years got ahead. And East made one big play in the second half, you know, long touchdown. And you could see West, like, everything drop. Like, the mental factor of, oh, my gosh, they're doing it to us again. They couldn't overcome that mental that mental hurdle. East, not just beating West, but 
trailing at halftime and going into halftime, it looked like West was about a couple plays away from really opening this game up and starting to pull away. East not letting that happen and coming back and winning and dominating the second half the way they did. So not just winning the game, but kind of overcoming the mental hurdle of we beat our rival. Those seniors at East had never beaten West before. I think that that game specifically really spoke volumes of not just a turnaround at East that Charlie Reeve has done, but the kind of the mentality turnaround of we we expect to win every time we take the field, and you see it in you see it in that game with East. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Kudos to Charlie Reed yeah. turning it around and, and to quote Spencer Gantt, yeah, they got their guy and he's he's done tremendous yeah. in that first year, and and that's what that's what he yeah. said. He wanted to come in and, and make that immediate turnaround and just kind of wipe the slate clean for them, and he's done it. Yeah. I mean, you look at what they've done. They they went in the playoffs. That was that was another thing for them last year. They were. They played Southside and they came up just short of it. And to be able to do that, you know, that shows that East is is heading in heading in the right direction. Yeah, first playoff win, first playoff win for this senior class. So big for them. And as much as Reeve deserves credit and he deserves a ton of it, this senior class I think deserves equal amount of credit. Because at, at this point, I'm talking to Jaden Williams and Nigel Prater every week to their two star senior weapons over there. And you just sense the buy-in from them. And both of them have alluded to when I've talked to them, just there's a different belief. There's a different vibe around the team this year of, you know, expecting to win. And, hey, we can do something special. Should I talk to Jaden Williams every week? And he's like, I want to play till we go to state. Like, there's, you know, you, you didn't get that feel of East of a team that expected to do really good things. Like they're talking like, we don't just want to win this game this week or like we want, they're focused on this game this week, but we want to, we want to go all the way to state. We want to take this thing as far as we can take it. And that's the belief, the senior class buying into what Reeve is doing has allowed them to them like, Hey, we can really do something special here. And, And that's, that's so tough to do. And when, when there's a new coach, I mean, immediately, you know, all, all the all the seniors they bought in immediately with with Charlie Reeve, but it's it's really tough for a coach to come in and, and command that kind of respect, that kind of buy in immediately. And, I mean, uh, my hometown of Crosby, my senior year, uh, our head coach he got he got let go, and they went to they went to Jeff Reardon, who's now up at Tyler Chapel Hill, and. That first year, the players bought in immediately. They went, they competed for a district title. They went two rounds deep. They were, you know, the, there was a belief that, hey, everything's there. Everything's there to do it. And sure enough, the uh, the next year, they end up making it to the state semifinals. They lost to, they lost to Cedar Park and, or no, two years later, they made it to the state semifinals in 2014, lost to Cedar Park, uh, at Daryl K. Royal, and, and but you know, they turned it around, and Crosby just recently went to the state championship game uh, back in the 2020-2021 bizarro year of COVID. So, you know, it, it's tough, and, and what Charlie Reeve has been able to do, and the way those seniors have bought in, yeah, they they definitely deserve equal credit because it's really easy as a senior to just kind of, you know, maybe you're maybe you got a chance to go play college ball maybe you don't you know it's kind of easy to focus on well hey I'm just going to get my stats and I'm going to try and, and that's it no these players they bought into the team the team the culture and the program as a whole with Charlie Reed there so yeah he's he's done 
a fantastic job really turning things around in, in the first year. Yeah, and they'll, they'll have a game against PSJ North this week, a team I have some familiarity with. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Goliad, that's the game I was, that was the game I was at Thursday. Goliad and Falfudius, and uh, Goliad was the hammer and Falfudius was the nail. I, this was the interesting thing. This is what I want to talk about on this game. Falfudius came out the first couple of drives. Sam, every trick play, trick formation imaginable. Swinging gate, they ran two hook and ladders. They were everything you could do. They, janky formations. They were doing three three offensive linemen, everyone else going out wide. They threw everything at Goliad. And then they and then Goliad gets a turnover, returns it for they get an interception, return it for a touchdown, and that was that. I mean, goalie, at that point, the the defense, Dason Tinney Anderson, defensive line, really took over the game. Goliad forces four turnovers, and they're on, they're on to the next round. And Goliad, Goliad's a team I'm interested to see. I mean, they beat Edna about a month ago now, and that was kind of one that raised eyebrows yeah. everywhere because it's, man, I watch Edna against Rafiro. Edna's a really, really talented football team. They're a really good football team. That You'll be covering Edna this week. But that's, you know, I'm curious to see – how far Goliad can go. They'll play Han- They'll play Hondo in the area round. I'm curious to see Goliad's run because I actually think winning the district sets them up very favorably to go deep into the playoffs. It, it definitely does. And you mentioned the win against Edna. And, you know, I still talk to some of the coaches from our area. And, you know, I'm good, fr- I'm good friends with uh, Jimmy Mitchell at Edna. But after they won, I had to text head coach at Goliad, Salazar. Kevin Salazar. And... I told him I was like, "Hey, man, congrats! This is awesome because I've been I've seen what they've what they've been working towards, and this is kind of the year that they they thought they'd be good. Maybe not everybody thought that, but everyone inside that Goliad well, locker we, room. We spent that. a lot of time with Goliad talking about well, who's going to play quarterback for them? What's it going to look like? And Colby Rosenquist, you know, won the job, earned the job, and he's really taken over. He's got full command of that offense now. They got a few different ball carriers, a few different different receivers they can go with. What stands out to me is just not – I mean, they got some height, but just the athleticism across their defensive front. That's what I see. I look at that like that's going to give some teams some problems, and that's what I imagine happened against Edna. That Just that size and athleticism on a defensive front, it's going to give you problems. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's kind of the trademark of a Kevin Salazar team is a very strong – defensive game plan that that they can stick to and really kind of go out be fiscal hit a team in the mouth and kind of get them wobbling and then like you like you said you know really kind of turn turn the gas on and uh, step on the gas pedal and get going like they did against Falfurias and yeah I mean you talk it, it talking to Kevin Salazar over the years he's always he's always been very upbeat energetic you know and to see that and to see the success they're having this year, it's certainly it's certainly good to see because there's nobody more deserving. A lot of the a lot of our coaches in this area, they're they're really good. They do, they do a lot of great things for for these student athletes. But everything Salazar has done since taking over at Goliad, it's been it's been tremendous to see them play the way they have and 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 have a chance to really really make some more noise. Yeah, they have a chance to, they have a chance to really make some noise in that 3A Division 1 bracket. We're going to go ahead and hear a message from White Trash Services. And we're going to talk about what to expect in the area round. We got some really good matchups here. Victoria schools in action against some teams I may have some familiarity with. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. 
Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we are back. Episode 62 of The Grid. Gabe Myers here sitting alongside Sam Fowler. And Sam is, uh, you know, he's going back to working for us again, at least temporarily. Uh, Sam will be here in Victoria this week. Edna versus Jordanton at Memorial Stadium. And that's one as soon as the bracket came out. I was like, oh, my goodness. That's, that's potentially a monster second-round matchup. You're getting a treat. It's a rematch, too, uh, from... From 2020, these two teams met. This is when Jaden Clay was a freshman. They went to Jordanton, and, you know, Jordanton was a really good team that year. They went three rounds deep, uh, and like I said, Clay was a freshman. A lot of these guys on this Edna team, it was Jimmy Mitchell's first year as well. You know, they get to the second round, and, and they competed with a really good Jordanton team there. Uh, so it's, it's kind of fun to see the parallels now four years later, but – Sturdenton team, they're they're really good. It's I used to cover them when I was in Pleasanton. Well, they handled Goliad earlier this season, which that's one. I mean, football math doesn't work out ever, but that that's one that you know you look at. You know, goal. You know, Jordanton handled Goliad early in the year, and when that happened, we we knew Jordanton was good, but all of us were like, okay, well, how good is Goliad? And I think Goliad's grown up quite a bit as the season has gone on, especially. Rosenquist at quarterback, their you know their offense has grown up quite a bit, and I think the defense has only improved. But you know Edna goes and loses to Goliad, but I be- I believe in Edna's talent. I believe in what they can do, especially offensively. And similar to Goliad, Edna's got a lot of size and athleticism, especially on a defensive line. They can really, if you're going to throw the football, they can really get after the passer. So I'm curious. Th- this matchup really intrigues me, and I'm excited for you because you're going to be at Memorial Stadium covering this one. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, you know, Jimmy Mitchell and Jordanton head coach Daryl Andrews, they're friends. They've known each other for a while. They've been they've been in coaching for quite, quite a while. So, I mean, obviously that's, that fraternity of coaches, it, it, it's small and it's close-knit. And the thing is, they parallel each other a lot. I mean, they're, they both – I mean, Coach Andrews, he's a little more of an offensive guy, but he prides – his team prides themselves on their defense. What does Jimmy Mitchell love? He loves he loves to see good defensive play, and you know that's kind of been that's kind of been their hallmark since Mitchell took over. And I think that's there, there's a lot of explosive playabilities, but also the turnover battle is going to be a big deal in this game because you know we've seen in the past Edna has been prone to turnovers and kind of getting in their own way with well, penalties and I mean, all that. That's why they lost to Refuri ultimately. Now there's some controversy about that game with the overtime rules. But, that I mean, Edna was controlling that game until they started turning the ball over, and that's what allowed Refuri to get back into it. And Refuri is one of the very best teams in the state. And that, I, that game showed me, okay, Edna can compete really at the, you know, at the really highest level. Can they do it consistently? Can they stay out of their own way and allow their talent to take over some of these games? Yeah, and that's going to be tough against against Jordanton. I mean, they've been they've been kind of on the rebuild since uh, 
since that 2020 season when they when they lost Atlanta in the third round. That was the that was one of the furthest trips in school history for them. They're undefeated for I think they're 11 and 0 for the first time in school history. I'll have to ask my friend Kate Andrews at the Pleasanton Express about that. But you know this 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 team just kind of feels like it feels like both teams have kind of culminated to to the top you know they've got their they've got their players in the in the right positions to go have success and now now it's going to be best on best you know Jordanton's having a historic year Edna you know they're they're hungry they want to get back they were you know just a couple of plays away from beating Franklin now Franklin was able to kind of run away with it late but you know, if if a couple of things go in this way, maybe maybe they're ahead, and maybe Franklin's chasing, which that that could turn out a little bit different. But Edna, they want to get back. They they they've got a sour taste in their mouth from the Goliad game. They've got a sour taste in their mouth from from Refurio. They want to they want to show that they're still that that quality of a team that they were last year, and and that everyone expected this year. Yeah, it feels like it. You know these these big games. It's you know the margins are in, the margins is inches, not feet. It feels like it's time for Edna to win one of these. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for you to get to get this Edna Jordanton game on Thursday night. This this was originally I was supposed to cover it before my before Mike's accident, and that it's one I was excited for. And you said like, oh, I know the coach over there. Like, okay, sweet, you'll do that one. And I'll be at Ganado and Mason in San Marcos Thursday night, which I think that's going to be a heck of a game as well. That, that will be. And also, uh, one brief thing, Mike, you're the only person I would I would come out of retirement for to help out. So please don't make a habit of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Sam's like begrudgingly, begrudgingly answering my calls now. <laughs> I'm joking. He, he would never do that. But Ganado, Mason, Sam, you, I mean, like I said, you've been in retirement. We pulled you out this week. Josh Irvin at Ganado's made he is made a heck yeah. of a turnaround over there. I watched them earlier this year against Kennedy. They are creative offensively. Bryce Ullman, the QB, they do a lot of things, just getting the ball to their playmakers in space, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of window dressing. I'm excited for this one because Mason's a pretty good team too. If Ganado wins, could potentially set up, you know, Ganado or Furio in the regional final again. Yeah. And you know, like you said, Josh Irvin doing a great job. Their quarterback has been just phenomenal this year for for the Indians and you know for them it it's going to be tough though Mason is Mason is a blue blood I covered them when I was out in San Angelo and I saw them last year against Shiner now there was it was the Dalton Brooks show then but a little bit different Shiner team than the one they're sporting this year yeah a little bit different but still you know you saw glimpses of a young Mason team really kind of really kind of stepping up and kind of growing into their own playing against a really quality opponent like Shiner and they're able to make some they're able to make some plays keep it mm-hmm. keep it close for a little bit but you see that now in, in the way they've the way they've been able and to And now Mason's 11 and 0 and it's like you, they probably learned a lot from that Shiner game okay this is where we're trying to get to this is a you know a state level this is a state quality team this is the level we need to get to and I think a lot of those players probably took heed of that and coming into this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's that's kind of been the thing for Ganado. They've been trying to get over you know, it's been the Refurio hurdle. It's been, it's been the until this year was round. a Shiner hurdle. Yeah, it, well, it was as well to go along with Refurio. Yeah, it was, it was a one-two punch. It was a one-two punch there for 
for Ganado having to deal with, and that's tough. But now, now you look at what they've got. I mean, now you got to deal with Mason. Mason, Mason could be back to its old ways with with that coaching staff and and all of them. Uh, you know, I, I now now it's going to bug me. I forgot their their head coach's name, <laughs> uh, and I should know McLeod. it. McLeod. Yeah, uh, Coach McLeod. He was there when when Cade Burns was when Cade Burns was the head coach, led him to the state title in 2018. And when Burns stepped away in 2019, well, that was, that was the obvious choice. They wanted, they wanted McLeod to come in and kind of keep that same culture and that same physicality. And that's what Mason has. They always have it. It doesn't, I don't have to look at their record or anything. I know that they're going to play that same physical style of football that they do that, that you see from the Hill Country's. Hill Country, there's a reason they're called the Punchers. <laughs> it's what you said about Mason, where like last year against Shiner, it's like, you know, young team, like kind of first time really stepping up to that level. In some ways, that's what I feel about Ganado this year as they went, you know, go through district line. I know the Shiner win, although this is not the traditional Shiner team this year, the, just the talent level. I know beating Shiner early in the year was big for them. And it was like, okay, that kind of yeah, got it's us. It's a mental hurdle. Yeah, the mental hurdle of, okay, we beat them. And, the, their loss in non-district, they lost to East Bernard. We fast forward a few weeks later, and East Bernard plays Tidehaven closer than anybody has this year. And it's like, oh shoot, East Bernard's really, really good. So for Ganado, that almost gives you more confidence. Okay, that you know, we didn't like our level of performance. We didn't think we played real great against East Bernard. Turns out East Bernard's really, really good. And Coach Lucio over at Tidehaven told Mike after that game, he said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we play them again in the regional final. Now they'd have to go through both, but that shows you what Lucio thinks of East Bernard and mm-hmm. how good they are. So you look at Ganado's two losses, it's to an outstanding East Bernard team and to, you know, one of, if not the best team in 2A, D1, Refurio. So this is a good Ganado team. They are battle-tested. I'm really interested to watch this one. How far has Ganado come and what does Mason learn from, the, you know, because it, what does Mason learn? Because this is where they played Shiner last season. What has Mason learned? What have you know? What lessons have they learned? How good? How much better have they gotten? They're really intriguing one at Rattler Stadium in San Marcos. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go to Pluckers when you're when you're up there. Oh, in San I, I, believe me, I'm familiar with Pluckers. Actually, before the game, I will be stopping in Seguin and going to Burnt Bean Barbecue, and that is, in my opinion, that's a pro move. That yeah, that's a pro move. That I've I've done it before. That Burnt Bean's the best barbecue in the state, in my opinion. If if someone has a better one, send them my way. I'm always up to try barbecue. That this that's my second passion after sports. I can confirm. Uh, but, <laughs> no. Yes, Sam specifically can confirm. But no way. Speak, uh, not to get off topic, but there was one time uh, me and uh, our former, the former photographer Kit McAvoy, we were trying to go to Burnt Bean before a softball playoff game. It was West versus Georgetown in the regional semifinals, and we're like, "All right, we're going to get there early. We're going to and we're going to go to Burnt Bean." No, we they were closed that day. They oh, sold no. out, and so. So I went before I had Kennedy and Johnson City in the baseball reg, uh, regional final, and they were playing in San Antonio. I went to Burnt Bean, and luckily the game in San Antonio wasn't until four. I got to Burnt Bean at eleven. I didn't get served till one. I waited in line for two hours. Worth it, worth it, one hundred percent. I don't think I'll be waiting two hours tomorrow. It'll be a Thursday. But yeah, I'm very excited for I'm very excited for Ganado versus Mason. I think that's going to be an outstanding game. Our Victoria. 
Yeah, f- physical game over there. So, again, Ganado does a lot of tricky stuff offensively. For a team that's going to – the way you describe Mason, they're going to want to play downhill defensively. Ganado's going to throw a lot of stuff at them. I, this is a matchup I'm really interested to see. Our Victoria schools face, face some tough matchups, and I said there might be some familiarity with PSJ North for me. That's who Victoria East faces this week. Uh, Friday in Cal Island, they'll face PSJ North. PSJ North head coach Marcus Kaufman – was an offensive coordinator at McAllen Memorial High School when a stud athlete by the name of Gabe Myers, I use the term stud loosely, who was uh, happened to be attending McAllen Memorial High School. So I, I have some familiarity with the Marcus Kaufman offense. And if any of y'all watch Michigan-Penn State this weekend and watch Michigan run the ball every play of the second half, well, that's the Marcus Kaufman offense. When, when did he take over at PSJA North? 2018, I believe. Okay. Kind of right as they've gotten right as they've gotten really really good. Now they got some talent over there. No. Well, the reason I was asking is I covered McCallum Memorial when they played West back in twenty one. So he was already he was already he was, gone. At he that was already time. gone at that time. But kind of I the know ripples, Moses Patterson as well. <laughs> kind of the 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 ripples from him uh, at McCallum Memorial were 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 still there. They were still. Oh. The identity was run the ball, so I know exactly oh, what you're Mo- talking about. So Moses Patterson, I mean, Patterson was Marcus Kaufman's offensive line coach at, you know, at Memorial. Who's Patterson, Moses Patterson's now the head coach at Memorial. So it's probably what you saw Memorial do offensively, very similar stuff to what PSJ North is going to attempt to do on Friday. They, yeah, they could, they could run the ball so well And PSJ North, this is my, I mean, th- th- are you talking about like what's the deciding factor in the game here? PSJ North's offensive line, from what I've heard, they go about 280 across the board. This this is a big physical offensive line. And talking to Reeve this week, he said, look, the physicality, it jumps off the screen watching them on film. You, you see that right away. Can East match physicality level? Can they break through the line of scrimmage and make some plays behind the line of scrimmage? Because Marcus Kaufman's not going to stop running the football. I can, I can assure you of that. They are not going to stop running the football. They are going to come after you. How is East going to handle? I'm not so much worried about East offense, although PSJ North's defense only allowed 45 points this season in 11 games, which is you know that's four points a game, which they, they've shut. I think they've shut out every opponent. I think they shut out their last five opponents. Like this is a elite offense, elite defense. This is not a team with holes. They're number seven in the state, and as Reeve said, it's earned. That reputation's earned. Yeah, and one of the things you got to do when. When you're playing a team like that, I saw West try and do this last year. They played Brownsville Veterans Memorial, team that does triple the same thing. Team. They they run it down your throat, and they were so good. Brian Chavez went for 300, maybe 400 yards. It ranked up there in the in the all time uh, in the all time records for rushing yards in a game. Yeah. And you know what West tried to do to counteract that when when they're just kind of grinding the clock out and they're just. Chewing it up, chewing it up. You get in a, you you start a track meet. And West was still able to put up fifty nine. It was just their defense just couldn't stop that physicality and, and and everything, and it showed. And that's kind of what you got to do. And hopefully, maybe you can, maybe you can get one or two stops, put them into uncomfortable situations. And, and take your chances well, I, there. I think uncomfortable situations kind of key here. Can you force them into some third and longs, getting a, get them into some passing downs? And then also I think East offense plays a role here of what you can't have is North gets the ball first, goes down, scores, you go three and out or four and out, 
and then North often just the ball right back, takes six minutes off the clock, goes down the scores again. Your defense is constantly on the field. Can you keep your defense kind of fresh? Because this, this is a big physical offensive line. You don't want your defensive linemen just on the field with them every play of the game. You want you need them to be at least a little bit fresh. But what what I'm look what I'm looking for here can East defensive line just, can they make things uncomfortable? Can they make a couple plays in the backfield? Can they get off the field? Can East running game? How quickly do they? How quickly do they get going? And this is where I think East schedule could help them out. They played San Antonio Taft to open the season. They played New Braunfels Canyon, New Braunfels Canyon in the second game. They played GP in their third game non-district. Gregory Portland's a really good team down there, down there as well. So they've played some good non-district competition. They beat Corpus Christi Vets. They played Corpus Christi Miller, who's also 11-0, and they beat Victoria West. So they have already six quality teams they've played this year. So, well, you know, the jury's out. How good is PSGA North relative to them? You ask different people, you'll get different answers. But they've played the quality of competition, so I don't think the level of competition or physicality is going to be something that's new to Victoria East. How quickly can their offense settle into the game and can their running game get going and keep PSJ North's offense off the field? Yeah, that's, that's another thing. You I mean, anytime you anytime you want to try and get, it, get an offense out of rhythm, one of the best things, especially a running offense, first thing you want to do, Maybe maybe try and match them. Maybe and be East selective good. on taking East, East East runs and East runs the football. And I, I'm really not I'm not too worried about East being able to run the football. Charlie Reeve and that offense they do some creative things. The guy that's broken out for them this year has been Nigel Prater, who is really you know he was a receiver. He's a DB. He wasn't really a ball carrier. And I think Reeve saw him run a little bit during spring ball and said, "Hey, let's let's get the ball in your hands a little bit yeah. here." And he has been I mean just absolute game changer. And I'm sure. I'm sure Marcus Kaufman, those staff meetings, number one for East, they have him circled. The, the game plan kind of begins and ends with stopping with stopping him. So I'm very, again, very interested to see how this one plays out. How quickly does kind of each team find their rhythm into this game? But PSA North, they have not, I mean, they haven't allowed more than 13 points in a game this season. They've allowed 45 points all season. They've won every game by at least 20 points. McCallum Memorial, my alma mater, the only team to play them with, you know, 27 to 7. That's the closest game they've played this year. But again, you alluded to it earlier, a lot of familiarity there between the two teams and the two coaching staffs. Very interested to see how this one plays out in the East. I mean, they know they got a challenge on their hands this week. PSJ North, and like I said last week with Mike, what they've been doing to teams in the Valley, it's, you know, like... Uh, you know, not safe for work. TVMA on it. It is mm-hmm. not. You know, you don't show this. Lock, lock up the children. What they've been doing to the teams down there. But Victoria East. You know, talking to the team this week, they're excited. They're excited for the challenge, and they see eleven and zero. They want to make it eleven and one. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to see just these two running games. How you know the matchup we get. I think we're going to get. So I think we're going to get some physical football there, and in Victoria West. For as much as East and PSA North has two running games, strength on strength, you know, teams who are kind of similar in a sense, West and Harlingen South, you can't have teams who are more different. West scored 59 in the by-district round, cruised to a victory. Harlingen South, now they committed a sin and beat McCallum Memorial in round one, so I'm, I'm not forgiving them for that. That's you can't, you can't do that now. Come on. But 10-7 was the final. And I talked to boys on Saturday, and I said my prediction is it'll be higher scoring than 10-7. So, you know, I like, I like to be bold there. But you have, you know, a defensive-driven team who's going to shorten the game, try to bleed the clock, versus Victoria West, who, as you said earlier, really high tempo. They can put up points with anybody. I'm excited to see this one play out. And for West, this is where their season ended last year. These seniors, 
they they're saying this is not our last football game. This is not our last game. No, they want to they want to get back to the third round for the first time since uh, since the 2020-21 season. The 21, uh, 2021, they lost to McCallum Memorial in the third round. Yeah, and so, I mean, they, they want to get back, and, and this is a team that's hungry. They, I think the bracket played out favorably for them, uh, and, and they've got the talent. They've got the weapons. Seeing the way Camden Repper has progressed in year two as a starter for West and the way Montgomery has really elevated the run game for the Warriors, you know, it's it's there for them. They can do some things and, and hopefully get to the third round. It's just going to be how are they going how are they going to handle the the defensive play from Harland and South? Well, I'm talking to boys this week. You know, what's the strength of Harland and South's team? Kind of before I can even get the words out of my mouth, he's like their defensive line, and this is what gets me really excited because West high tempo spread offense. You you go that and you think, oh, okay, kind of high flying, maybe a little finesse. But we talked about Montgomery earlier, big physical guy. You know, they're up tempo and they're spread, but West is not really a finesse offense, and that begins on the offensive line. And their offensive line, you know, last year was, and you covered them last year, a lot of new guys, guys still getting to know each other. Can we work them into their roles? Well, all those guys are back this year. They have two seasons starting under their belt, and they've really, as the season's gone on, they've gelled. And we talked about they played Miller about three weeks ago. Corpus Christi Miller, one of the best teams in the area. I don't think... I don't think anybody would be really surprised if Miller is a team that wins Region 4. West put 45 points up on them. And West, their offensive line just moves. You know, they were moving. Every team they've played, really, they're moving you off the ball. Even Corpus Christi Vets, who's one of the most physical teams in a, one of the most physical teams in the region. We talk about East beat them. East put up thir- East put up 13 points beating them. You know, uh, Vets defense is really, really good. This is a really high-level defense. Kamari Montgomery ran for over 200 yards as a team. West ran for over 300 yards against them. This offensive line is really high level. This Harlingen South defensive line is really high level. So you look at what's going to be a determining factor in the game, strength on strength, who wins that battle. If you love football, you got to love it. Well, you you know it as a former, I'm assuming, lineman. I mean, I shouldn't. <laughs> I, was a, been, I was a basketball guy myself. I was but, a basketball guy myself. But, I mean, I, I, I've, I've watched enough football. But you you know you know that one of the best things you can do, is, especially in a game like this, when you're trying to when you're trying to make a statement, the first thing you have to do a statement drive, and that's kind of what that's kind of what West needs to do on offense. They need to go down. I'm not saying I'm not saying they need to chew up clock, but they need to. Set the tone physically well, they, and tire them, tire out the defensive line. First. Well, what Montgomery says every week is punch them in the mouth. That's and that's you know offensive line and even boys like they all kind of echo that same sentiment of we want to go and punch them in the mouth. And what you're saying that statement drive. And it was funny because against Southside last week, it was they were so keyed on Montgomery. Their statement drive was throwing the ball around and showing them, hey, you got to cover these receivers out there. I know, I know Montgomery's real good in the backfield. You got to cover these guys too. They got some speed out there. I think this week you go strength on strength, offensive line, defensive line. Hey, we're going right at it. We're going to show you right away that we can run the football. So again, another one you're excited for over there. I'm going to run down some, you know, some of our area matchups here this week. Of course, touched on Edna Jordanton. Uh, East, PSJ, North, Canado, Mason, West, Holland, and South. We got Quero and Hampshire, Finette, Calhoun, Burnett, Bay City, Kilgore, El Campo, Tyler, Chapel Hill, Shiner, and Holland, Industrial, and Universal City, Randolph, Goliad, Hondo, Beeville, San Antonio, Davenport, Sam. What's the one here that most stands out to you? What's the area matchup that you look at and say, oh, that's interesting over there? 
Quero Hampshire Finette, a rematch from a rematch from last year. I covered that game. And you know, Hampshire Finette, they were kind of young, but they were able to play really well. You know, they they battled close with a really good Silsby team who's phenomenal this year. Um, so they've definitely taken taken another step with 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 Coach Wagner over there who his son's the offensive coordinator. I played college ball with him, so there, there are ties everywhere, man. Um, but the sports world is small. People don't quite understand how small the sports world is. It is microscopic. But you know, Hampshire Finette's a team that feels like they can go and they can they can get over this hump. But the thing is that you know you got to go through Quero, and Quero's really, really good. Yeah, and and I and I talked to Blake, the the offensive coordinator over there at Hampshire Finette, and he was talking. He was like, man. You know, I thought Quero might might drop a little bit this year. No, no, no. I covered Jared, them their first game of the year, and they, they're a buzzsaw. They yeah. they are no joke. Yeah, Jared Fikach knows. Even when you lose a guy like Sean Burks, even when you lose some of the guys that they lost last year, they're not they're not rebuilding. They're reloading, and they're hoping to make another run like they did last year. And and it's going to be tough. But Hampshire Finette has a great offense. They've got weapons, and, and Quero's got. Another phenomenal defense. I don't know how they keep turning turning that out. And, and uh, having Quero good Texas. defensive lineman helps. <laughs> yeah, having a few. Uh, but you know, it, it's going to be really fun to watch, and it, it's taking place at the same stadium, Katie Legacy, or no, it's at it's Rhodes. at Rhodes this year. Well, it's right across the street, Tomato Potato. But you know it. it that game was just a phenomenal one. It started pouring down. Uh, Dewey Vu, former photographer here, you know, we were there and had to endure a rain delay and everything. But it was, it, it was such a fun game because even when it looked like Quero was about to just kind of blow the game open, well, here comes Hampshire Finette. They they'll put together a drive. You know, maybe some of that that inexperience. Coming into play, Quero's able to capitalize on that with a with a veteran team, but now you've got kind of a I wouldn't say a younger a younger team, although Quero's certainly missing a, a couple of guys from last year, even though they've they've reloaded. Uh, senior but, senior quarterback Mason Nataro, yeah. that I mean that helps as far as the experience. And you know they're just it's just insane to see how easy it is for Quero to, to reload. They live, breathe, and sleep football up there in Quero, Texas. Yeah, that that's a good one. I know Mike was really looking forward to that game as well. The one I'm kind of like, I look at, like, this is interesting, is Bay City Kilgore. It, it, Kilgore is really, really good. They're one of the top teams for AD2 or uh, for AD1 in the entire state. But Bay City, at their high end, has shown they can play at and above the level of these top-end contenders. So can Bay City, Robert Jones and crew, can they put it together over there? You know, they had Iowa Colony, they had Iowa Colony beat. You know, turnover here, miss extra point there, and, you know, 28-27, that's the difference. But they outplayed Iowa Colony in the game. Bay City has shown they can, you know, they have the talent to go at it at that highest level. Can they get out of their own way? Carlon Jones on the defensive line. Jada, and- Jada Andrews, the running back, has been, we talk about Montgomery. Andrews, another guy who's one of the very best running backs in the region. We got some awesome running backs in this region. That that all area team is going to be uh, one heck of a thing to put together in the backfield. Any college coaches listening, please recruit the 3 6 1. 
Kamari Montgomery, college coach. Andrews is a junior, I believe. Kamari Montgomery is a senior. I tell you, you're going to be happy. You get him in your locker room. I might, I might make a call to some folks Sam Houston. We'll see about that. But Bay City Kilgore, I, Bay City has shown they can compete at that high level this year. They just haven't quite put it all together. And I think for Kilgore as a second-round matchup, this is really tough because you're going to get a team talent-wise that can look you eye-to-eye. So that's the one I kind of look at. And like I'm very interested to see how that one plays out. Well, that that Kilgore team last year, they they went up against the number one running back in the nation and Reuben Owens. They didn't blink, yeah. and they were able to win. They're able to knock off El Campo, and and really that was kind of a big upset because everyone was expecting El Campo yeah. to make a really good run last year with especially in, in Reuben Owens' senior year, yeah. and. They they kind of open everyone's eye. They're they're not afraid of those big games. Yeah. Are are they, are they the best in the state? No. But on any given game day, yeah. they can get up and they can go and they can, they can they can beat the yeah. best team. Yeah, and Kilgore, I think they're ranked in the top five. You know, in the Dave Campbell's rankings and Bay City has kind of been in and out of the rankings this season. Again, I just I think Bay City they've shown at their high end. They go up against some of these top teams, the the Iowa Colonies, the other teams in their district, and they've shown, hey, we you know El Campo earlier this year, hey, we can go and beat them. And it's the physicality, the talent of Bay City. That's a tough second round opponent. When most teams in the second round, you get like Referio, you know, Referio was playing a Johnson City team, but they're like, oh, we're gonna roll them. And Referio's you know top two, three, maybe top one team in that you know in that classification. Kilgore's in that top three, top four in the class, and they have to go, gosh, we gotta go against this. This Bay City team who can look us eye to eye—that's one that I look at, and I think it's gonna—I think it's gonna be a brawl. I think that's a four-quarter game, and I think if you—you you talk about a team in the top five upset alert. I mean, you mentioned Quero Hampshire, Fernet. That's an interesting one. I think Bay City and I, I think Bay City and Kilgore. That—that's one I kind of have my eye on. But we're gonna go ahead and throw out the break here. We got a volleyball team in a state tournament and basketball season starting up. First time we talk basketball on the show, and I'm happy Sam's here because he can fill me in on some of what I've missed in the past. So stay tuned. We're gonna hear a message from Thriving Financial. That's my wife. Then we're gonna talk talk some hoops, top some volleyball. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services. What is it, and, and, and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back, episode 62 of The Grid. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me today is Sam Fowler. Hello. And talk some volleyball and basketball to close out the show here. Starting a volleyball court. So 
we had been talking about Goliad and Schulenburg. Goliad lost in the regional semifinals to Columbus. But how about them Shorthorns over in Schulenburg? Two five-set victories in the regional semifinal and the regional final to advance to the state tournament. They are playing Iola in the semifinal as we speak, as we're doing this podcast right now. So the results of that game, by the time we listen to this, that will have already happened. But shout-out to the Shorthorns. They, you know, they took their lumps early in the season, played a really tough schedule. But... Got it together. Do. Got, got it together in district play. Well, they play a tough. To their credit, they play a tough district schedule. They don't. Uh, they don't pull punches. They'll play the Victoria St. Joseph's. They'll play the Goliads. They'll play the Columbuses. They'll play some of the really high end teams. And once they get back into two way play, into district play, and their district was good this year. Weimer and Shiner were two ranked teams in the state. So I talked to Coach Saplick this week, and that's something that he believes really helped them out is just having to kind of go through the grind of the regular season and go through those opponents. And, you know, when they get into the regional semifinal, regional final, getting these five set matches, they were able to come victorious there. So Schulenberg making the state tournament, shout out to the Shorthorns. Like I said, Goliad knocked off in the regional semis by Columbus three to one. And for Goliad, they hadn't lost a set since September 5th. And like Schulenberg, Goliad likes to play these tough non-district games, but Goliad just outclasses everybody in their district. Sam, they hadn't lost set since September 5th, which that's over two months until that Columbus game. And when you're going through all these teams and you're just winning every game handily, it's hard to kind of build up those those calluses. Yeah, and that's that's three straight years they've matched up with Columbus in the in the regional tournament. They they played them in a five set thriller in 21 in the mm-hmm. regional final, lost that one. Ended up playing. They played the re- them last year. Played them last year in the regional semifinals. Lost there. And again this year. I mean, Columbus just, their volleyball team is insane. Allie Tribe. Uh, Allie, Allie Tribe. Not, she's a senior this year. I think Jess Odom's going to be the one handing her her diploma at the at the Columbus graduation. She's going to be as happy as anyone. Allie Tribe is out of high school volleyball. And that's a girl with a collegiate volleyball future. UTSA, for, I think. Oh, it's you, UTSA commit? Okay, Addison Ozuna, by the way, a Texas State commit, if you didn't see that. Oh, right. yeah. That girl is phenomenal. Texas State got a heck of a volleyball it, player. Well, she had to play setter this year for them because their setter got her. And she, so she was, like, moonlighting as a setter. And she, I think she had, like, six or seven triple-doubles this season. I mean, and triple-doubles in, triple in volleyball kills, digs, assists. Which, I mean, again, it, like, like Sam's reaction there is correct. That's nuts. It's insane. We got some high-level volleyball players here. But basketball season starting up, Sam. This is my time of year. Former, you know, you were a college football guy. I'm a, I was a college basketball guy myself. Uh, so I, I love the sound of the hardwood, the, the shoes squeaking, the refs blowing the whistle. It's a fun time of year. Wait, you like the refs blowing the whistle? Eh, sometimes, not really. Um, I always tell the refs when I'm at the scores table, I, you know, I kind of messed them before the game. I said, okay, don't screw it up. <laughs> that's what I like. That's what I like to tell them. But you know, hey, they blow the whistle to start the game, so that you know, sign of things to come. East girls last night. That's where I was. They look strong against Sealy. Their bat, their cat backcourt of Sanaya Randall and Avery Valentine looked really, really good. Offense was balanced. They did not look like look like a team that was playing in the second week of November. They looked pretty, pretty well drilled, pretty well seasoned. I'm, I'm excited to see the East girls kind of progress through the year. I think they got a good group over there. East boys fell to El Campo, 48 to 40. You know, East, they got, you know, four or five kids still in football right now. Campo, Oliver Miles, last year's player, the all-area player of the year. He's still playing football as well. So 
I mean, El Campo only had seven players, but again, Eastman's so many guys as well. They're starting a couple of sophomores. Hard to really, you know. Yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't take a lot you, from yeah, these early games from some of these You don't teams. take away much. I think the coach just kind of look for, okay, who's someone, maybe a new guy that's going to step up or, so, you know, who's going to be ro- Yeah, great for that. Ro- ro- learn about kind of the back end of your roster, but both those teams far from – Far from complete, far from being full strength. West Boys down in Corpus Christi last night, beating Incarnate Word Academy 51-48 to open their season. Sam, this is my first basketball season here. I always joke, you know, people ask me, when does when do I no longer feel like I'm new? Like, when do I stop being a new guy? It's until I go through every season. So I got a baseball and softball season, or, you know, about two-thirds of one last year. I've gotten through the fall, gotten, you know, gotten through football and volleyball and all that. Now I'm heading into basketball into the winter season. Sam, what do first time first year covering basketball in the crossroads? What do I need to watch for? What do I need to know? Uh, you need to you need to keep an eye on on West Cody McDonald. They they always West always has a good team. He coaches them well and, and all that. Same thing with East. They're they're always last year with their new coach really really good. They're able to pick up two wins against. Two wins against yeah they uh, they beat West twice last West. year uh, you know I think maybe the first time that's happened since uh, since the school split uh, and you know so they're they're going to be really good as well um, but you got you got to look at the small schools I mean some of these small schools are really good especially in the, on the on the girls side Shiner's always. Really good. Well, Shiner and Oson volleyball, they have some height on their team. So I, I imagine yeah. that translates over to the basketball it, court. It definitely does. And the Lady Comanches, they're always really good. Funny story, that's actually uh, that's actually the first time I interacted with Mike uh, at the Class 2A Region 4 girls basketball tournament in San Marcos at the Snake Pit at San Marcos High School. And, you know, Shiner has has that history. They can definitely play well. Um, you know, you see some of these teams, they're, they're really good. I know last year uh, a team that really impressed me was the Tidehaven boys. I, I covered them in a game well, against Well, and they got some they got some height over there. I see just on like wide receiver core in football. They got some size and athleticism mm-hmm. over there. And, and and they looked really good in the game against against Hallettsville. Uh really physical. It and they can they can do some good things, you know. Uh, there there's a lot of good basketball in the area. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of fun with with East and West this this year, uh, and especially when the crosstown rivalry comes back, it's it's gonna be fun. Last year, Jeremiah and I were there, and the whole thing was. Well, East had, you know, I mean, the boys started at 545 yesterday. The girls were kind of the main event last night. And they had a good, like, the students that really showed out for the, you know, for the girls game last night. That was just a game against Sealy, non-district, early in the season. football still going on. So, I mean, it was, you know, it got kind of, and at the end of the boys game, too, got kind of loud in there. You kind of feel the atmosphere growing. That was just for a November 14th game. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of the atmosphere as we get closer to, you know, the games really picking up and what, you know, once football ends and the teams are at full strength and everyone's kind of in basketball shape. And as a basketball guy, I know this, you know, you always have a couple football guys come in, 
But the first, you know, three, four weeks, they're not in basketball shape. They're no. still in football shape. So it t- even when the teams have a full strength roster wise, it takes them about three weeks, maybe a month, just depending on how many tournaments you play and how many games you play for the team really to be what they are. So it's really oh. not until about New Year's where you kind of can really have a feel. OK, this, this is you really get a feel for what the teams are. I'm excited to see that development over the co- course of the year. But yeah, just watching them last night. I thought the East girls there, their backcourt, uh, Randall and Valentine. They put a lot of pressure on opposing ball handlers. They, they are really, really they, good. They, they were really high level. I thought East team was just really, uh, really well, well balanced. Nevea Ron Hell, she's like kind of does everything. She had six assists in the first half. She finished the game with seven. A couple of players made a couple of shots. She could, you know, she could have had ten assists. Which mm-hmm. high school basketball? That is, no, I mean, seven assists in a game is oh, nuts yeah. in high school basketball. And she's not even the point guard. She's just kind of, kind of does a little bit of everything. Gets some rebounds, scores a little bit, can shoot a little bit. I really like the makeup of East team. I'm excited to see them. Haven't seen West play yet this year. Again, West boys were on the road last night. West girls have been on the road quite a bit. So I'll get a chance. You know, once football ends, I'm not overworked with that. I'll get a chance to see all these basketball teams. But as a basketball guy, you know, when I hear the ball bouncing in the gym and that little echo, I you know, I get excited. Oh, yeah. And another thing to look forward to, everything we got going on over at UHV. I mean, we're uh, Thursday releasing softball schedule. We're releasing our baseball schedule on Friday. I mean, and, and UHV it, baseball is going to be really good this year. It's I'm, be a I'm, lot ex- of fun. I'm I'm excited for that. You know, I, you know this. You everything know this in now. the spring. Everything in the spring is going to be fun. Our men's golf team they're ranked 11th in the nation right now, according to Spike Mark, which is a stat provider for for golf. Uh, Women from, had a good showing at the fall classic. You know, about three four weeks it, ago. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of excitement toward the spring. Our softball team is going to be. Phenomenal. I mean, a lot of talk is on the baseball team because they went, they won, they won the conference tournament. Well, and Stavanoa's second year too. Yeah, and and we were we recruited well. Had the had the number nineteen ranked junior college recruiting class in the nation, according to the JUCO baseball blog and NAIA ball. Who, if you're not familiar, those are two two outlets that cover junior college baseball and NAIA baseball religiously, and they do a great job with it. Uh, so having that only one of three RAT teams to have have that kind of a ranking. There, there's a lot of excitement around baseball, but our softball team is going to be really good too. We got speed. We've got well. They made of, the national tournament a couple years ago as yeah, well, and a lot of those girls are still they're still there. They're still well, around. Some some of them are. I mean, Cameron Callen, a Shiner product. Uh, she was there, and you know she's on she's on pace to break some records this year, and her. In her final season, you know, there's there's just a lot to be excited about, and and like I said, we're really we've released our, our golf schedule for the spring, Thursday and Friday. Softball and baseball schedules come out. People will be able to plan. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be able to see y'all out there. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for UHV and spring. Like you said, like you said, softball should be really good. I got a chance to see the golf teams a little bit in action. They performed they performed well in the fall. And then baseball, I have to say with Stavanoa, you know this at this point. I've said it's on the podcast before, and we've had him on the podcast before. So, you know, we both kind of come – we came here kind of from the same place in Las Vegas, New Mexico. We have some mutual friends up around those parts. So Stavanoa, for me, is an easy guy to guy to root for, and he's done in a short time at UHV. He's done a heck of a job. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be busy, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, you're used to busy. You worked in this field once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time. Once upon a time. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Gabe Myers here with Sam Fowler. Episode 62 of The Grid. Area round of the football playoffs this week. We got basketball starting up. 
guys, it's it's a lot of fun here. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in.